Si te gusta este podcast, entra en iVox.com y recomiéndalo. Así le ayudarás a que gane visibilidad en la mayor biblioteca de audio a la carta en castellano, donde además encontrarás centenares de programas de radio, monólogos, audiolibros, conferencias y otros muchos audios de diferentes temáticas. Ah, y recuerda que iVox es con V. Episode 50, September the 21st, 2012. The second line one. You are listening to This is Atleti, the only podcast in English dedicated to Atlético de Madrid. In today's episode... We discuss Atletico's ongoing unbeaten streak of 14 games in European competition. Even with Falcao and Arda staying behind in Madrid, the Rocky Blancos got off to a perfect start in defense of their Europa League title with a 3-0 win over Hapoel Tel Aviv. We also look back at last weekend's seven-goal thriller at the Vicente Calderón, where Atleti nearly blew a 4-0 lead and allowed their neighbors to come back in our first Madrid derby of the season. This week saw Diego Costa emerge as, well, as a potential starter. In just two games, the Brazilian gave three assists, he won a penalty, and he kept off the week with a goal in Israel. Is he pushing the disappointing Adrian out of the team? Gary covered the story on Diego Simeone, who told Gazeta de los Sport that he would love to coach in Italy. Atletico are doing better than ever under the Argentine coach. Should we be wary of the chance that El Cholo might leave after this season? Atletico are facing a condensed schedule with five more games in the two upcoming weeks. Next up is newly promoted Real Valladolid, before we travel to Sevilla to take on Betis on Wednesday. The Red and White Fact of the Week It has been 11 months since the last time Atletico did not win a European game versus Udinese in what was Manzano's last days of European football. Simeone has been a, a great success story. Since then, Atleti has racked up 13 wins in Europa League, beating every opponent on their way. After winning the tournament in May, we also beat Chelsea to conquer the UEFA Super Cup. The Rosso Blancos have conceded just 7 goals and averaged nearly 3 goals per game. Hello everyone and welcome back another week to This is Atleti, your space of 100% Atletico Madrid news and opinion. This is Ricardo Menendez once again hosting the show and with me first of all, Derek Mayen. How are you? I'm great, uh, Ricky. Great to speak to you again, man. Yeah, great to, great to have you back. Good evening, and I should say good afternoon or maybe even good morning. Uh, Martin Rose now. Hey, good Florida. evening. Hey, how are you? I'm um, good, man. And, and we have two great guests on the show today. Um, we have uh, uh, Florian. Let, let me see if I get your last name right. Is it Tiemann? Yes, that's it. Tiemann. <laughs> Florian Tiemann. Uh, from the German Peña and, and uh, uh, writer of uh, Atletico fans and Madrid Atleticos. How are you, Florian? Great to have you on the show. Yeah, hi, how are you? But I'm writing for Madrid Atleticos, if I may correct you. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> and no we, we, we have, and I do think that Billy Edwards does write for Atletico fans and, and Madrid Atleticos. Billy Edwards, how are you? Hey, how are you, how are you doing, everyone? Glad yeah. to be back on the show. Uh, thank you, thank you very much um, for being on the show. Uh, well, we have we have great Atletico experts tonight, and um, I think we should start with the with the topics we had in the headline, and and get going with uh, with today's episode. Um, well, uh, what, first of all, um, were you surprised with the list Simeone prepared for for the trip to to Tel Aviv um, this week? Yeah, Whoever. Derek. Yeah, absolutely. I did not expect um, him to rest uh, all these players this early in the season. Um, as we mentioned in the hardline, uh, headline, Focao, Arda stayed behind, 
but um, also some other players like Felipe Godin, um, Gabi, if I'm correct, they all stay behind in Madrid. Um, and I did not expect it simply uh, because Simeone is always going on about how every game that we play is is, uh, is as important as the next one, and he always wants to focus on what's uh, what's uh, what's coming up first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think it was a, a big surprise, but um, it was a nice way of him to show that he's actually very confident in his uh, bench mob, and um, I think that in the end he was proven right, and uh, I'm glad that he was, because otherwise we would be here criticizing him for making uh, these decisions. Yeah, Martin, did you, did you get the feeling that it might be a shot to the foot um, to take such a big risk at uh, such a, at this moment in the in the season? Well, I thought back to the Aris game, our first one from uh, two seasons ago. You guys remember after winning the Super Cup against Inter, we played at Aris uh, in Greece, and we had a really tough time, and we ended up losing 1-0. Mm-hmm. So when I saw, you know, I knew it, was a, it should have been an easy opponent, and but I saw the weaker team, and I yeah, at first I was a little concerned. Um, probably wasn't as disappointed as Falcao, who probably, you know, he was hoping to get a hat-trick Another over one. there in Israel, too, yeah. <laughs> Since he had only scored one goal against Raya, um one goal just doesn't seem enough for the for the Colombian anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Billy, what was your your take on the on the match? Um, uh, first of all, were you surprised with the list? And and second, what was your what what are your views on on the tremendous match that, especially the second half? I think that we 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 played a a, a very decent second half. Um, yeah, I was surprised by the list, but you know if you think about it, when you're playing in Tel Aviv on a Thursday night and you got to be back for Sunday for a league game. It's such a long trip. So it made sense. And, you know, the team the team that Cholo called, they proved them right completely, you know. And mm-hmm. I think the thing that I noticed was that, you know, even with the players that came in, we kept the same style and the, came, the same system. And it's, it's something that the great teams do. Like, you know, when Barca, they call them the young players and they just play the same way. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I thought Aleti did that perfectly, really. But Flo, how many times have we have we tried something like this and only playing through regular starters? I I I did have the feeling that it was too much of a risk beforehand. I, I think that no one was was absolutely cool about um, the starting eleven until we didn't at least see the first half, right? Well, I didn't think it was too much of a risk, you know, because there were no, for example, league points. To- to drop or something, it, it's just the qualification for the knockout stages. If mm-hmm. you have maybe one or two bad games, it doesn't matter, you can still uh, turn it around later. So I think it was quite a good idea to rest some players and uh, keep the bench players happy. And that, that's that's an important point. It's it's um, it's a calculated risk and it's something you can still yeah. turn around if you mess up. Absolutely, and, and let's not forget that um, later on in the, the episode, um, We'll look forward to the upcoming games. But let's not forget that we're playing seven games in the the space of just 22 days. Yeah, uh, and as as Billy mentioned, the team left uh, Tel Aviv right after the match. They they landed at five o'clock in the morning um, this um, um, this Friday um, today, and as as we're still talking, and and they they managed to squeeze in a training session at seven p.m. today. So. Um, I, I think that most of the players that played are are mm, quite tired from from flying and and um, 
the lack of sleep, and I think it's probably not the best conditions to to face um, a Liga match. I think it's a it's a probably the best moment in the season to take a risk like that when you're absolutely. What's what's one of the the absolute positives of um, of this result is that we actually we got a win. Um, but it also shows that by arresting some of his players for the league, Simeone is showing that he's taking the league very seriously this year. And I think mm-hmm. that um, it's very clear that the Champions League is our main priority and we'll do anything to, to win our league games, even if it is um, just Raul's Violet coming up. Um, okay. Oh, sorry, Derek. Um, l- let me address this one to, to Billy, who's our personal Cantera expert. Um any any first impressions on on Fizma's performance? I I was if 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 uh, a different starting eleven worries me. There are things that d- didn't worry me and things that did worry me. Um, I was worried about um, the the defense, especially about Fizma and Silio's performance. About whether Asenjo would would have one of those um, weird matches that he plays once in a while, where he just doesn't get things right and and makes a couple of of big mistakes. But um, they they had a quiet game and and afterwards um, Raúl García's match was was so good and Diego Costa's match was um, so good that I think that all faded away. But Billy, what's your your take on Tisma's first match? Uh, yeah, I was I was quite impressed by Tisma. Um, I wasn't too enthralled by his signing, but you know he came and he did the job. Uh, he looked good on the ball and you know hopefully he'll grow in confidence and become a useful player for the team. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's it's sort of a disappointment for players like Manquilla who are coming in from the back and and see that there might not be space for them to develop within the the first team? I think yeah, it could be a disappointment, but it could motivate them to work harder as well. You know, if they're if they're thinking if a team needs a right back, then I'm cool. They might not work as hard. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think competition is always healthy for the squad. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that Manquillo was on the bench, though, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. So it was uh, Pedro and Saul, and Saul got uh, um, some proper minutes, and um, I, I saw him well. Um, I, I, Oliver has been away from the team for a few days because he's taking his, his pre-university uh, pre exams these days, and and that's kept him away from, from t- training sessions. Um, I think he got the, the results today, and he's passed. Uh uh, so, so we should uh, start seeing Oliver um, train with the with the first team again in the in the following weeks. But it's it's nice to to see that Saul is also getting his his opportunities to grow with the team. Any, I don't know if you have any any more comments on on the Tel Aviv match. Or you want us to? I'm getting ahead of myself here, but um, um, Flo, do you think we still need uh, Oliver after that fantastic performance by Raul Garcia? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he did well, but you know, uh, yeah, it was still a good for away games, no, I think. But uh, I, I want, I want to point something out, which is um, sort of in the line of of Derek's uh, minor joke. Um, I'm, I'm pretty surprised that we're not missing Diego at all. I don't know if you guys get the same feeling. I think that Coque, Arda, and Emre the other day are filling in for for the huge gap that I thought he would leave in in the team's play style. I, I think it's too early to tell. I mean, we still have so many fresh players. The season just started, but I think that as the game and as the season wears on, um, we'll see that our first team player will get more tired. Mm-hmm. And that's when you need some 
extra offensive players and extra boost that we currently don't have unless we could see some players like Oliver or Saul really step up. But otherwise, I think we're still really very thin on our options up front. Um, and later on, we'll get to Diego Costa. I think it's a delight that he's showing that he's actually able to step up. Um, but I think it's still a bit early to tell because we could be um, missing Diego's creativity in uh, in games later on this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, coming back to the Hapoel game, I think it was really positive um, to see both Diego Costa and Rugo Garcia play that way because they are actually two of our longest-serving players. Um, and it might some surprise some people, but they've been um, away in the meantime, of course. But I think they've both been here since 2007 or 2008. Um, and they've never really been much of a success at the Calderon, run, but it's good to see that they're both, they seem very confident and they know their role, and it's good to, um, to see that they're ready to step up when it's needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the Rayo match, um, as you, as you, well, as you, sorry. No, Ricky, just one more uh, comment about the, the Tel Aviv game. I wanted to mention, uh, that even though it was an overwhelmingly positive performance by everybody, I thought that there was one person uh, that didn't do so well, didn't look too good, and from for me that was Silvio. Silvio, he's yeah. looking. He, he's, he looks. He's performing out of shape. outstandingly poor. Yeah, yeah, and poor. Like no intensity. There was a time I remember early on in the game that Diego uh, Costa put a pass into him. And, like on the on the corner, and he just kind of like didn't even really try to go after it, and Costa. Like went crazy yelling at him, like, "What are you doing?" You know, like demanding mm-hmm. intensity from him. And I saw that a lot. Like, you know, you you just didn't see him fighting the way that you see all the other players fight under Cholo. You know, when, I don't when know if we it's were something the, against Cholo. The headlines before um, the, the, there's a headline that's um, sort of harsh on on Adrian's performance at the beginning of the season. But for example, Adrian's um, match the other day, Adrian's performance was. Was rather decent, and and I, I think that he participated in two of the, uh, of the three goals. So um, we we did we do know that we we can recognize that Adrian is is out of shape, probably due to the to um, going to the Olympics, and and we're seeing the same things um, with Jordi Alba at Barcelona or or Juan Mata at, at Chelsea. Uh, but we're we're expecting Adrian to come back, but. With Silvio, I, I don't know if it's a lost case. Uh, he he was um, he was so promising uh, when when we first saw him at the beginning of last season, and he just doesn't seem to be the same player. I yep. think you've made an excellent point there, Martin. Any yeah. anyone else want to? I was going to say Silvio was out from November till pre-season, so maybe we can allow him, you know, a little bit more time to recover, but you know, yeah, I think he's got to step up soon if he wants to stay in the team because there was talk of him. Uh, be a loan to Benfica, I think. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think he's got to prove himself here because he'll probably be gone in January if he keeps playing like this. There, there was a well, loan to Benfica and a loan to Valladolid, which would yeah. sound like a tremendous step back for for a player who's expected to be um, a starter for the Portuguese national team. With all from due respect I, from to my understanding, to yeah. So from from my understanding, he like I thought he really wanted to go. Like he was desperate to leave. There, there might be a, a dressing room issue there. Maybe he's just, yeah, he sees that Juan Fran is ahead of him. Maybe he sees competition from Kader when he mm-hmm. comes back. I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, well, um, and and what about the Ryo match? What what are your thoughts on the Ryo match? I, uh, I I was um, I was a bit overexcited at the match. I was sitting next to Gary, and Gary was was seeing me tweet all this over optimistic stuff, and he was saying, "Boo, hold on to those tweets. Don't tweet that. Don't tweet that." And he was like, not tweeting anything out. We're gonna win this match five to zero. It's great. It's a wonderful match. Look at the look at Diego Costa. Look at this. Look at that. And then Rayo started coming back, and it was like, oh my god, it's gonna end the disaster. And and this guy is is, is jinxing the whole situation. Um, what was your um, um it, when when I was when I was sitting in the in the press room for for Simeone's a press conference, I got the feeling when Diego Simeone came out and almost without anyone asking him, he started blaming himself. I, I think it was like a message to the dressing room saying, I've, take, I've taken this hit for you guys. I'm probably not going to do it again. You better not do this to me again. I thought it was very Mourinho-like, but Mourinho <laughs> was still at Chelsea. No, but seriously, Mourinho's always very protective of his players, always taking the blame. And he used to be at Real Madrid until last season. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, I, I, I know for a fact that uh, Mourinho and Simeone actually get on quite well. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't he even be surprised if the art fan is actually drawing inspiration from uh, Mourinho? Because, well, we can deny that he is, actually is a very good coach, of course. Um <laughs> About the game, I thought one thing for well, the first half was very interesting because uh, Rayo were playing with three at the back when they had possession, which was very interesting to see. And they really clogged the midfield and they gave Atleti a hard time, uh, but they took a big, big risk and I think it came back to bite them in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, what can we say about the second half? Because it was just uh, completely loco, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, an old-fashioned Atletico spectacle at the, the Vicente Calderon with six goals in just 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that you see any of that anywhere um, else in Spain or anywhere else in Europe. Yeah, um, should um, Billy, should we wipe out those um, seven horrible minutes um, and forgive them for because of those uh, fantastic 70 minutes we saw before? I think we can to a certain extent, but... Um, you know, I notice when the team, often when we go a few goals up, the performance just changes and, you know, we let the other team back in more, we let them have more of the ball and we stop, you know, our te- intensity drops and, you know, this time it came to penalty us. So I think we've got to keep going to the final minute and not let the team in because, you know, that was a warning at the weekend. You know, it's a warning that it can't happen again and we're lucky that, you know, we'd scored enough goals for it not to cost us. But I think that needs to be looked at really, you know, the intensity needs to remain the same right up to the final whistle for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, go on. Yeah. Uh, well, I think um, the three goals could be uh, useful for us for uh, for Cholo especially because he can always uh, stick to this if someone uh, drops his form or, or just oh no the, mm-hmm. we we don't have to train this much we will beat them easily he can say hey guys look at what happened at Rio we almost uh, uh, blow away a, a secure win, so mm-hmm. it could be useful for the uh, rest of the season. Just a simple thing. It yeah. certainly and seems I, a lesson. Um, yeah, I think it's a great point, and you saw it four days later when we played in Tel Aviv. Because as Ricky, you, you mentioned it earlier on in the episode. I think that in Tel Aviv we actually played well for the full 90 minutes, mm-hmm. and I, I think that we really did. Um, 
learn from that mistake against Rayo, and we did see more focus to play out the game um, in Israel. Mm-hmm. Martin, you were saying before, sir. Oh, no, no, I was going to pretty much reiterate what you guys were saying. It was a blessing in disguise, because, like Billy said, we got the win anyway, and from now on, you know, it, it was, you know, one of the, it was the third game of the season, and now you have, you know, 35 games left, and every time you're up 2 nothing, 3 nothing towards the end of the game, everybody's going to think back. We're all going to think back to the Rio game. Yeah, it's like a and forgivable the, smear in the record. N- now it is, yeah. But at yeah. the moment, it took a couple of hours for me to forgive him. I was feeling pretty <laughs> nauseous after the game. I had a big headache. When, when your heartbeat uh, crazy. went back to normal, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You started to look for forgiveness. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, well, um, we were saying the the team has an excellent record. Um, we 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 said in the headlines seven seven goals and um, well, not sorry, not seven goals. Um, in in fact, it's eleven goals in three matches, and we've only conceded four, uh, five in in the Liga matches, and that's that's a pretty. That's a pretty impressive record, and especially we're starting to um, put new players into the in, into the matches, and and they're still performing, especially uh, in in the two the most recent matches. We've we've been quite blown up, blown away from with Diego Costa's performance. Um, we spoke to Diego Costa last uh, season. Uh, we had an interview with him. Um, Gary and myself, and and Diego Costa is is a guy that has full confidence in his his potential, and I think that mm, that strong that strong mentality that he has of of always believing that he can he can play as a starter no matter where he plays, no matter what the competition. I think that's part of the that's that's key to him seeing the loan last year to to Rayo as a step forward and a, and a way to. Um, gain a, a return ticket to the to the team and 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 always um, putting up a fight um, to stay on the team uh, even though the competition was was fierce with Sabio and I think that if if there had been a poll um, the majority of the people would have bet that um, Sabio would would have stayed on the on the on the team and and Diego Costa would have had to go to somewhere else. Um, but at the end, uh, Diego Costa has has succeeded in returning and and starting to become the important player that many people think uh, he can become. Last season, Gary said, and I'll let you give me your opinion after after this um, um, small fact that in fact Diego Costa has been around for a very long time, but he's only 22. I think he's he's turning 23 um, quite soon. He's really really young and. Uh, I think we can have an important player um, emerging. Uh, what are your views on, on Diego Costa? Uh, what do you think is his real potential? I think last season I actually um, preferred for Diego Costa to stay Atletico because I thought that we needed him more than Eduardo Rosalvio because Costa, he brings something to the game that our other forwards don't really have. I mean, he's so um, much different from Adrian, for example, as Diego Costa really loves to get stuck in. He loves to challenge his opponents. Um, he will pick up at least 10 yellow cards in a season. Um, 
that's just his style of play, and I think that it perfectly suits the game that Simeone also wants to play um, with players that are constantly harassing their opponents, mm-hmm. uh, who can get under their skin, and who also have a terrific uh, work rate. And you know that you know, Costa will chase every ball, and he won't give up until the last minute that he's up. It's just exactly what you just said. It's like the three forwards that we have are are completely different, and and um, I think that Simone has different scenarios where he thinks that uh, each of them can can perform uh, m- m- in in better conditions. Uh, Martin, what's your view? Um, uh, every time I see Diego Costa, like my initial, I, I always have doubts when I see him. He just doesn't look the part for me. The, the clumsy you know look. I mean, he's look at yeah, the clumsy, messy look. You know. Uh, you know, the stories about him getting uh, preseason overweight, sometimes not making it to preseason on time. <laughs> so, like, that personality, you know, he gets the ball, but, I mean, he just He's rams through people. He's so physical. He's very intimidating. Yeah, yeah, and he just rams through people, and uh, he gets the job done. That's the important thing. Like, like no matter aesthetically, he's not, like, the prettiest player in the sense, like, not obviously – Physically, but no I mean, like, <laughs> but I mean, like his the, his style of play, you know what I mean. But he gets the job done. He puts the passes in. He gets his goals. Last last season, we saw it at Rayo. It was very surprising how successful he was there. Mhm. Uh, Flo. Yeah, I I'm glad that we have him. You know, Patao especially can't play in 60 games or so. If he picks up an injury. You know, then we have something uh, who can uh, fit in for him, and yeah, as Martin said, he delivered. Can you? I'm glad that we have him. Billy, can you see um, Diego Costa starting over Adrian in the the next five games, for example? I think perhaps in the next five games, yeah. I mean, maybe it's best now for Adrian to come on as an impact sub, like he did against Rio, although he didn't make great impact there. But you know, just while he regains fitness, see what Diego Costa can do because. You know, at the moment, he's worth his place in the team, and you can't really drop him on his last two games. So, yeah, I think definitely. And just a point I wanted to make, um, remember the injury he got last season. I remember people were saying, you know, come back, he'll be unfit, he'll be overweight again. But, you know, he was straight on the Rio team scoring goals, like like he'd never been away. So I think he must have worked hard while he was out injured, and, you know, it was really paying off for him. And, you know, he's got so much potential, and, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do for us. Yeah, um... Connecting to what Billy was saying, in my opinion, ultimately Adrian is is probably the the starter in in everyone's head. But um, it might be um, it might be a blessing to have Diego Costa at this moment, and and maybe you can stop Adrian. And one of the things that that uh, um, the, the the physical trainers uh, for Atletico Madrid were were saying was that they were worried about um, the, the the form that certain players had had arrived after the preseason, especially Coque and Adrian, because of their strange summer um, with the national team and all that. So it might be a good idea to just to stop Adrian and, and make him go through a preseason type of of month and and having him rested from from competition when when you know that you can rely on Diego Costa it might be might be a, a fact that that's um, that helps him. Uh, make it uh, to on the starting eleven, and, and also gives Adrian the, the chance to to pick up the the form he needs. Um, I think we can we can maybe move on and and um, talk about Diego Simeone. Um, one of the stories that 
when when Gary was telling us about this, he was, uh, Ricky, you're really not going to like this, but I think that no one can deny the fact that Simeone is is right now uh, probably the most important asset that Atletico Madrid has, and Atletico de Madrid's current success is based on Simeone's capacity to transform work into success. I don't know if you guys agree with that statement, but I think that with Cholo, we have a very um, strong chance of long-term success. Without Cholo, not so much. And I can see Simeone n m recognizing this fact and, and knowing that he can he can um, get a shot at uh, training the, um, the maybe not sports-wise bigger clubs, but the ones that have more money and that can give them a better uh, contract and long-term opportunities. I don't know what your opinion is on that. Martin, for example. Um, well, I don't see him. I don't see him wanting to leave after this season the way that like uh, Gary was implying. I, I wouldn't read much into the comment that he wants to coach in Italy sometime. And him comparing, I, I remember Gary in his article comparing it to when you know Cholo said he wanted to coach for Atleti at some point. You know what I mean? I wouldn't read much into that. Uh, Yeah, but I mean, I, I think right now I can see big clubs wanting, you know, or, or at least following in Cholo right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Derek? Uh, his, uh, I'm sorry. You, you guys probably noticed, but am I correct in saying that um, Simeone's contract is up at the end of this season? Yeah. I, I think, yeah, right. I, I think it's all about um, can we manage to meet um, his expectations and we can, can we match his ambitions because... Simeone is really um, on the up, and um, if a club from Italy like Lazio or Inter does come calling, can we then still um, provide Simeone with the same that they can? Because can we um, keep players like Falcao at the club um, beyond this season? I think that those um, um, those factors, those the players that we keep on, will be very important for Simeone to decide whether he wants to continue because. I do get the feeling that if certain players were to leave, that Simeone might say, well, um, we're not going in a way forward, even with all my results, we're, we're not making um, progress. And I, do, I am a bit fearful that he might actually leave at the end of the season. Um, but it's so tough to tell, um, as we've just started um, this new campaign. Mm -hmm. um, Billy? Yeah, well, I think... You know, if we get into the Champions League this year, I think Cholo will want to continue and, you know, take us, see how far we can go after all he's done in the Europa League. And also, I think, you know, the club will be desperate for him to continue. You know, I think Gary mentioned it um, in his article that we haven't had that many chance, you know, against here lately. And I think that's down to Cholo, really. Mm -hmm. um, his results have been, you know, taking away a bit on what they've been doing. And, you know, I think, I think they'll be offering them an extension of the next possible opportunity, really. Mm -hmm. Flo. Yeah, I agree with Billy, but you know, if he leaves at the end of the season, uh, Pep will have his off-season gone and uh, Guardiola can <laughs> take over. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have uh, nothing to prove. Not uh, really on a cold, cold uh, rainy Wednesday night in Stoke, but it may be at good old Aleti. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, think that Guardiola has 
Guardiola's waiting for the Catalonia national team to <laughs> take do over. Guys, do you guys think that Guardiola could achieve the same feat that Simeone has at Atletico? Uh, I think that quite honestly, absolutely yes. Uh, Guardiola is... I, I think that they're... I, I give Simeone great merit for what he's done. And I think that, that probably um, places him in the in the step of the of the best uh, coaches of of Europe, and and but I think that um, Atletico Madrid's um, historical play style is is something that Guardiola could really improve. I think that um, maybe he would transform um, counterattack into more control, but I can see Guardiola doing a good job here. Probably um, when uh, a few seasons before Mourinho landed at uh, Real Madrid, everyone's opinion was that before Mourinho got as big as he as he got, maybe when he was back at Porto, people thought that maybe Mourinho's style would be the, the perfect type of coach that we could have here at Vicente Calderón. That can't be said in public anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> that was the feeling back then. I think that yes, that. Um, there's this group of, of coaches. What's your opinion, Derek? Um, I find it very difficult to judge Guardiola because he's played in a system that he was very used to, that his players were used to. And I think that it would be a very big switch for him to get Atletico to play in the, the vision that he has and with the style that he has managed to play before. Um, it would be a very big challenge for Guardiola, I'm sure. And I think that Simeone hasn't um, so much improved the way that we play our, our style, but he's mostly um, done a great um, um, improvement on the, the mental aspect, and I think that... The motivation and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I think that Guardiola could actually match that, because I have read some stories on Guardiola's uh, motivational tactics, and I do think that they might be um, uh, quite similar in that aspect, so... It's tough to say, and um, maybe as close that we should just wait for Guardiola to join us to really tell. <laughs> I think it would be a long-term, it, it would take a long-term, you know, project for him to implement at Atleti. It would take like two seasons, three seasons. I, before. I really can't see that happening. For, for the same reason Benitez wouldn't come. It's just a matter of cash. Um, yeah. And and well, Chile's making a, a tremendous amount of cash here. I, I think that for the top coaches like Benitez and Guardiola, it's not even so much about cash. It's more about uh, a guarantee that they actually have the backing of a full club and of the direction, um, and that they have the power to um, bring uh, to make their decisions. But you know that analytically, you never get the power as long as mm-hmm. you are in charge of what the is around, for example. Mm-hmm. That is a very big reason that someone like Benitez refused to join Atletico. Mm-hmm. True. Um, and, uh, well, um, the, the last topic that we, we had prepared for today um, was Atletico's next month, which is going to be... Very, well, it's, it's, a, it's a fortnight, in, in fact. It's uh, five matches in, in two weeks, and uh, we've got Real Valladolid to start off. Sevilla, Betis, and I think it's it's Victoria Pilsen after that, isn't it? No, in or between. Yeah. In between Espanol. Sevilla and Betis. No, it's in between. No, no, Espanol. After Valladolid and Betis. It's Valladolid, uh, Victoria, Betis, and Espanol. Isn't it? 
Malaga. No. Okay. If we get in, a, in I got it totally wrong. <laughs> I'm looking at right. It's Valladolid, Betis, Espanol, then Victoria. Okay, so but there are five matches. <laughs> and then to cap that two weeks off, then we have a very big game at home against Malaga, which at the end of the season could prove to be very, very important. Of don't course. you think it's important if before we do our homework and we pick up the points on our way? Because Absolutely. that's that's um, normally Aleti's problem that we plan ahead. And there's a, the, the press is already going crazy, like um, talking about Atleti as the the the, the third way, and and um, Atletico as as someone that can really fight the li- the Liga uh, to the very end uh, wow, against wow. Barcelona <laughs> and and Real Madrid. I think it's it's they they do it on purpose every season just to bonk us on the head even harder mm-hmm. than the season before. Um, what 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 are your feelings? I'm I'm especially worried about the Betis match, which is a mid ma- midweek match, which um, uh, is normally difficult to I don't know to to get the the team into into playing mode, and uh, um, I don't know if it could become a distraction to to um, have that game in the middle of the week, and maybe the planning of what players resist playing three matches in, in around eight days? Derek? No, absolutely. And um, I, I was actually glad that we could postpone the Robert Tees game for a little while when we had to play Chelsea because I do think that is a very tough away picture. Um, they always seem to have to play with a lot of passion and they have great players, especially Benyat and um, I forget his name, the, the striker <laughs> with the quick feet. Castro. <laughs> Ruben Castro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ruben Castro, exactly. I, I think yeah. those are two very good players. Um, and Real Betis, if they have a good night, if the the crowd really gets behind them, then um, they're a very tough team to beat. Um, I, I watched Valladolid's first match, and I, I watched them during the off-season. Um, uh, they're a pretty impressive side, and Djokic has, has uh, really turned the team around from a depressed side to to a very strong side. And, and in fact, they... They they won the, the first two matches and and mm, I watched the first match. I watched uh, I watched the highlights of the second match. Uh, they they, um, they were they were in control of the match from the beginning to the end. And I, I think it's it's a good side to to face in a, in a home match. And we would really have a hard time if we had to go to Valladolid to, on an away match where where they would feel more comfortable. I think the probably it's the Dia de las Peñas on Sunday, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, that's that's normally not very favorable because there's so many events before the match. Uh, sometimes the players get distracted. I'm eager to see those two away games, the Betis Espanol back to back. I remember last season we started on a high, and then um, we I think we were winning four nothing four nothing and then everybody was talking about us being the alternative to you know the top two and then we went to Barcelona Again. and they just <laughs> destroyed us five nothing and yeah. it was you know that just totally ruined the next I think month and a half where we were in a big slump it's like the team lost all confidence and I'm afraid that if we perform poorly back-to-back games against Betis and Espanyol. And I remember Espanyol was the game last season where we, I think we went down 2 nothing after about 10 minutes or less. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big hump 
in the future, in the near future. So mm-hmm. I see the Valladolid game. Anytime we play at home, I'm very, very confident that we're going to win. I kind of just, it, maybe it's wrong to do, but I, in my mind, I write it off as a win, you know, right away. And then, but I just see that Betis, Espanol, you know, three, four days apart. Uh, I really want to see how we respond. And, and then go and then travel to Malaga. And in two weeks' time, um, or no, in, th- in three weeks' time, face Valencia. Those are um, two important milestones in in the way. No, we're we're facing no, okay. Malaga. That's a whole match. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm saying they're, they're three weeks apart, and uh, okay, yeah, yeah. that's when things start getting bumpy because yeah, I, I think, especially because of that, it's so important that we get a good run now because um, we aren't playing Real Madrid and Barcelona until December. And as you mentioned, Malaga and uh, Valencia are coming up in a couple of weeks. But let's try to get as many points as we can against the, well, let's say, the, the, the weaker opponents, with all due respect. And if we could just get on a run um, and continue the run that we are on now, because let's face it, we, we have been playing very well, um, then I think, well, we might get a lot of hype. Um, but at least we, could, we would get us in a very good spot. Yeah, because at least we don't have the back-to-back matches we used to have other seasons where we would get two or three of the top sides um, one after the other. The the hardest thing here is, is facing Sevilla and then uh, at home and then going to visit Real Madrid. That's at the end of November, the beginning of December. And two weeks after that is, is Barcelona. But one of the keys that Simeone always talks about is, uh, is thinking... Um, match by match, and and I think that that's exactly what we're not doing here. Um, uh, your uh, right. your views let, on let, on Real Valladolid. Let, let me add one more thing. Um, uh, there is one advantage for the European clubs, the of the their Spanish clubs that play in Europe this season. Um, and it, you mean Europa League or Champions uh, League? Both. It seems a small point, but usually you would have a couple of midweek rounds of La Liga um, during the season. Um, but this year, actually, and with the exception of the Real Betis game, because that was actually postponed. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, every single La Liga round is played um, at the weekend. So we have fewer um, of those condensed uh, condensed weeks where we play back to back to back. Um, and we only have the European games in midweek to worry about. So it gives us a little bit more um, breathing space mm-hmm. um, and a bit more time to prepare for every game that we go into. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy and... In fact, on Sunday we could uh, be talking about if we win Valladolid, and it's it's a really big if. Um, we could be in Champions League spots with um, being a game behind um, most of La Liga. Yeah, um, I mean we got to, as I think it was uh, Derek said we got to pick up as much much points as possible now, and once once we're into the top four, which I think we can do, you know we need to do everything we can to stay there. Because last season it was just playing catch-up, catch-up the whole time. And in the end we couldn't do it. So I think it's important to get there early and never let go of the spot, really. Florian, your your thoughts on Valladolid? What's your, what's your bet there? An easy win? Yeah, I think so. We should win this. And yeah, just uh, as you said, we should take it game by game and uh, yeah, move on. If we can beat uh, Victoria Pilsen, then we have like six points and we could maybe continue uh, resting players on the Europa League games and then we could have a full squad available for all those weekends. It could go, uh, could be handy. 
you know. Okay, so we know. clearly have Flo, Flo and Martin on the overconfident team t- this season. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you guys don't sound like Atletico fans at all. <laughs> You're not talking through experience here, guys. <laughs> I had one question, though. What do you guys think? Um, what do you guys think about... Uh, the Europe games, you think Cholo's always going to just, as far as these group games, just always play like a B team? I can I can see Atlético playing the the whole competition, which which comes as a surprise, but it's also a very refreshing surprise because it's going to give Asenjo the competitive edge that he probably needs, first of all. It also showcases him in case we want to get rid of him. Um, he was yeah. a rather expensive player to... Uh, uh, purchase and I think that everyone can can agree that his performance has been way below expectations though there are two incredibly serious injuries in, in the middle of, of his career that um, could have ended his career in fact so um, being not very romantic here um, having a Senjo play could be a, a, an interesting move um, if the team is is thinking on either having him compete to take Courtois' spot next season, or to showcase him in case they're thinking of, of selling him, because we did keep Joel at the end, and and uh, um, there were uh, talks that he was going to go to a uh, Russian team, and then there were talks that he might go to Rayo and to some other side in Spain. But at the end, he stayed in the first team and. He he isn't even on the Europa League list, so it it, it might be one of the possibilities might be having um, Courtois and Asenjo um, traveling um, in the European matches and having Joel sitting on the bench to give them to give him that type of being part of the team feeling um, in in many La Liga matches as as backup for Courtois. What did you guys think of his performance? He made some good saves, I thought. You know, he he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, that's, that's, that's... He made that low save, like, with his legs, that kick save. Yeah, that was pretty good. He, sometimes he reminds me of a handball goalkeeper. He's very good with his legs. But very I'm, good low, right? Yeah, I'm not yeah. very... I'm not too much of an enthusiast when I talk about a sample, so... <laughs> um, oh. I'll say my opinion there. I, I think that he's 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 a type of goalkeeper that um, is always very close to 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 his goal. So um, the way Atleti play, that sometimes you need to have a, a prepared um, goalkeeper in case a goalkeeper has to go out and kick the ball, so, sort of like Valdez does in Barcelona a lot. I think that we have. Um, um, someone much uh, much more secure in in Courtois, which reminds me a lot to De Gea's style, and that's uh, I think that was key to him fitting so well last season because it was just a uh, uh, more or less the same goalkeeper, the same style of goalkeeping. Yeah. Flo, your opinion on the Courtois Senjo issue? Yeah, I think there's a reason why Courtois is ahead of him, but uh, you know we won't have him next season. But uh, so. For this, it's good to have a central gaining playing time in the Europa League and maybe the Copa matches too. So he will have gained more experience. And uh, if we can't keep uh, Courtois for next season, then we have an experienced goalkeeper. 
What's your what's um? Do you guys have any any thoughts on on what might happen with Courtois? Can you see him going back to Chelsea after the way he's celebrated at Monaco? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would think so. I'd think he'd go back. I mean, I obviously I'd love for him to stay and and like just that tell them, you know what, I love Atleti and I just want to stay here, but uh, I don't see it happening. Yeah, seems Derek. like he's just gonna go. I think it will. Um, Chelsea will decide it on a, a season by season basis. Um, and some people say that well, they will um, take back Courtois as soon as Czech um, is done for. But I could actually see Chelsea decide to um, keep them both around for at least a year so that they can slowly integrate Courtois into the first team. And I just hope that it will be well um, at least a season after the next one because as long as we can keep Courtois, the better. Um, I think he he is improving a lot still and. Um, yeah, it, it's very good to have him um, at such low cost as well. Um, so yeah, fantastic deal. I was very skeptical when we first signed him last summer um, because it seemed a bit um, well as if we were becoming Chelsea's feeder club. But um, right now, I'm not complaining. Uh, and your opinion about Asenjo? Um, I guess was, was such a fantastic goal for four or five years ago. I still don't think that he is mentally just about there. Um, I hope actually that um, perhaps Simeone can instill some confidence in him because he has all the abilities and the talent to become a world-class goalkeeper. But I still think that there are some spooky things in his head that are preventing him from making a step to becoming a very confident goalkeeper as well. Uh Um, Segwaying and um, making the most of the... Asenjo Courtois situation um, when it's it's funny to see how De Gea is is um, succeeding in in uh, in on a demanding side as Manchester United is um, when in fact most of the seasons um, while he was a Cantera player he would be you know, backup for Joel uh, can you see the same thing happening Billy? with Oliver and Saul, or do you think that Cholos Jimenez will at the end hmm, recognize that probably Saul is as useful to the team as Oliver? Um, well, I think I just want to go back to something earlier. Uh, we need to remember that Oliver, he can't play in Europe, um, but I think that they can both help the team. They're both different types of midfielders. Um, you know, having them side by side, playing at Letty B, getting to know each other, I, you know, I think they can both do a good job for the team. The one thing with Oliver is that, you know, he's still. I was watching the game the other day, and he just looks. Like a, he looks like a young boy out there. And he really does need, uh, you know, to bulk up a bit. But now I think they can both. They both have a future here, and you know they're both good enough to play in Primera. Mhm. And um, uh, talking about um, talking about the B team, what a slumpy start for the uh, for the B team. It's yeah, sort of depressing to watch them. Completely. I mean, the performances have been bad. Alfredo, I heard the other day that if they don't win in the weekend against Real Madrid C, then he'll be gone, which is the right decision for me, really. But, yeah, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong, really, for them. Yeah, because, um, remind listeners, it, um, Atletico has has um, redone the the team practically from scratch. Um, they got rid of Pantic uh, against all odds uh, when he probably had the best... Um, season for the B team since, ever since the B team uh, managed to get to Segunda 
and um, they got rid of 10 players and some very important players like, for example, Iago, the, the goalkeeper that was um, sold to Aleti Bilbao and later lo- um, sent on loan to Numancia and, and a few others. Um, yeah. Regalón, Yeah, Regalón, uh, one of the um, um, all-time or one of the historical captains of the, of the B team for quite a few seasons. Uh, do you think that this um, slow start is because they're still piecing the team together, or, or th- there's a there's a bigger problem there? You, I, you've watched some of the matches, or maybe you've watched all the matches, or yeah. most of the matches. I'm sure that you've watched more than the average Atletico Madrid supporter. Uh, what can you tell us about the slow start for Atletico Madrid B? Well, I think I think it's something more than the team getting to know each other. You know, there's just no intensity. There's no movement from the players and. I think that stems with the manager really. They need someone, someone who knows them well and has confidence. You know, last year we had uh, Mena in uh, the youth team, mm-hmm. and they won the league. They played great football, and most of their players are now in Atleti B. But uh, Mena went to C, and Alfredo is in Atleti B, and it makes no sense to me. You know, he he got to know the players, he got the best out of them, and you know, now he can't manage them. And I think, you know, we got uh, to keep. Uh, I mean, Atleti. Um, I, Alfredo was in in Atletico Madrid C, so yeah. uh, pushing them one step at a, uh, pushing them up one step at a time does seem the logical thing to do. It seems logical, but you know they finished 14th last year Atletico C, and then we went to um, the Copa Libertadores under 20. They had one point from three games there as well. Yeah, that uh, really beats me. Um, unless um, Alfredo uh, Alfredo Santalena's agent is Jorge Mendez. I can't think of a single reason why exactly. Alfredo is even on still on the team. I had I also read that Cholo wanted Mena because he's an Argentine as well to go with B, and I think really it might just be a matter of time until that happens. Yeah, Mena was was um, on the team. In fact, when yeah. when Simeone, I think it was the the when Simeone returned to the team uh, during his second stage on uh, as as a player for Atlético Madrid, that was back in two thousand and two or. 2003, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, a long time ago. Um, and Mena was one of the uh, one of the players that that played in and and shared the dressing room with with Simeone. And and we do know that surprisingly enough, uh, though Pantic and and Simeone are are two doblete heroes, they got they got on very badly last season. Yeah, I had that as well. I mean, I think they had had some differences, perhaps. Uh, you know, Pantic, he, he wanted to win games. He wanted to get promoted. You know, he he, he didn't always play some of the younger players, and I think mm-hmm. Simeone didn't like that. But I, I do think the problem is probably going to be on that as well. So you probably know more than me. Uh, from what you've seen, um, does the, um, the system Atletico Madrid B use um, resemble the 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 one the, gr- the grown-up team uses? I think in formation only it resembles it. Not really in how the players are playing, but, you know, they've got the four-two-three-one with the two holding midfielders and the wingers and, you know, the one striker, Pedro, up front. But, yeah, that's about it, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just the formation. And and you do see players that um, have had an outstanding preseason uh, play very badly um, in the in the B team. It's like they, they, they didn't find their spot on, on, on the pitch. Like, uh, I was especially surprised to see um, uh, Tomas, Tomas's poor performance or Ivan Sanchez who seems yeah. like misplaced and it's like the, um, the worst version you've ever seen of these players 
It's true. I mean, Thomas Thomas was a sensation last year in the youth team, and he he started the season well, but the last few games, you know, he can't complete a pass or anything. He just he just looks low on confidence. Ivan is still probably the best, team's best player, which says something really. And I just think everyone is low on confidence. They don't believe in the manager or themselves, and no, I think they just need a boost. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're we're facing Real Madrid and C uh, this weekend. It seems like a make or break situation. Uh, yeah. What do you recommend listeners to look out for? Uh, which which players to follow with spe- special attention? Uh, well, it, well, it seems they'll have the full squad because none of the Cantoranos are in the squad for Valladolid. So I'd imagine Oliver and Sal haven't started the last few games, but I think they probably will. So I think those two, uh, the likes of Ivan, uh, Pedro, um, Victor Monghil signed from Valladolid, and David Hill in goal, perhaps, if he's back from injury. You think and he's... Course, but is he still with the dizziness issue? No, he he was back from that, but in the game the other week, and it's like Anes, he went off at half-time with an injury, and he mm. missed the game last week, but I think he's back now. Okay. So, well, I, I think there's a motivation, motivational edge that we have to uh, piece in here because it's it's facing Real Madrid, even though it's Real Madrid C, and that's yeah, that's the motivational. Uh, even though, yeah, even though it's the a lower team. letter in the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not a bad team either. You know, they they've got good coaches at Madrid, and I, I think we could we could probably lose to them. So. <laughs> Although, um, Few reasons to be optimistic. <laughs> None at all, really. And, <laughs> and uh, from your knowledge from the C team? Um, yeah, they're top of the league. The yeah, moment. 10 out of 12 points. And um, even though the, the the last one was a close one, um, we do have interesting stuff uh, coming, coming in from behind, right? Completely, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of players who will be in B and C this year, uh, like sort of Calero, Danny Marcos... Um, and you know they got Mena as a manager, and you know they seem to be playing some really good stuff. I saw the goal at the weekend was a halfway line goal. You know they seem full of confidence. Mm-hmm. And yeah, only one one place behind Atleti B really, the top of the lower division. So Calero was even included in in some of the training sessions in Los Angeles and San Rafael, and later on, right? Calero. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. He's, he's only 17, but he's a talented player, and he mm-hmm. made his debut for B the other week. But I think he'll play mainly in Atleti C. Mm-hmm. Wow, interesting. Uh, thanks a lot for the uh, for the quick roundup, and that's a lot of information there. Let's let's hope that this is um, the end of of the slump for Letty B, and we finally start to claw our way back to a normal position because we're rock bottom here, and it's it's, it's impossible to get worse. I think. Well, I won't say that because we're Atletico fans, but <laughs> it's really hard to get worse than what we're actually doing. Um, well, as, as for the rest, um, we've we've sort of uh, Derek. I, I don't think we should go through the the results because we've already been talking about them. Um, maybe maybe just mention that Atletico B uh, picked up their first point at home versus Tamora, and well, tell us what what uh, the C team did. I think we already spoke about that. Yeah, as you, uh, you guys mentioned before, they are now um, 10 out of possible 12 because they won by a minimum margin of 1-0 last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Billy mentioned, uh, um, you can actually look it up on YouTube. It was a fantastic goal from the halfway line by uh, Dominic. And um, I can really recommend I believe that Billy linked to it on his piece for Madrid Atletico's. Um, so make sure to check that out because it was mm-hmm. a fantastic goal for Atletico's seat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, then there are also the Atletico Feminas, the, the women's team, but they didn't play last week. Yeah. Um, they're traveling to Valencia, no? Is that, is that the, it's the Valencia team, isn't it? Yeah, the last J, let's go on that. The last J, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, well, uh, ahead, well, before we say that, um, I, Handball Atletico Madrid is at the top of the chart um, alongside uh, Football Club Barcelona. Um, in handball, it's it's uh, a big two type of league, but we're one of the big two, so we're yeah. not complaining there <laughs> about about abusing the rest of the teams. And and well, we we've counted our our two games as victories. I, I was I was planning on on going to my first ever handball match this this weekend, but um, I forgot that Atletico was playing a home match, so. I'll probably postpone that for. It's pretty interesting. I believe that handball is pretty big, both in um, Spain and in Germany. Um, if I'm right, Flo, you can probably confirm. But I don't think that anybody else in the world really cares about the sports. Then <laughs> up in the yeah, north, I, I think the in Sweden it's also very big, isn't it? Flo, I wouldn't know. Flo, do you know? <laughs> well, uh, in, in Germany, in Germany it's pretty big. Yeah, I don't know about Sweden too much, but mm-hmm. yeah, in Germany it's really big. Yeah. Well, Sweden, Denmark, and in Germany, yeah. Sorts, yeah, Scandinavian countries. I know that it's very big because of the the the, the nationalities and the the type of players that that come to to the Spanish handball league. And well, um, something very interesting for those of you and most of our listeners are from abroad. When you visit Atlético Madrid, and when you visit Madrid and you come to a match at the Vicente Calderón, they've opened a new handball only shop. Um, Next to door 42. Door 42 is at the south side of the stadium. That's where Frente Atletico normally um, a- accesses the stadium through, um, and it's easy to find. Um, I think it's very recommendable because the uniform is is completely different to the the football team, but at the same time, it's it's a it's a very nice uniform, and they they sell. Um, handball uniforms and handball handball apparel and uh, it's it's at least a, a nice place to to have a look around and and jerseys are much cheaper than football jerseys. <laughs> In case you want to pick one up when you when you visit Madrid, it's it's very recommendable. Uh, Derek, what do we have ahead? Uh, well, speaking of the jerseys, I um, I bet that they do have the emblem, so it, it's actually uh, a nice bit of fan merchandise, as you say. Yeah, it is. I, I can I can see Martin typing in a a request to get one. Yeah, yeah, I'm already thinking <laughs> about it. It's <laughs> a never-ending collection of Atletico Madrid memorabilia. You see my office right now. <laughs> like four frames now, because Danny sent me the poster. In fact, the, the, there's a plan to move the museum to uh, to Florida, undisclosed. <laughs> yep. It's easier to move the rest of the museum to Miami and to bring your stuff over. Yeah, half of it's already here, so... <laughs> Derek, what's ahead? Yeah, let's look at the agenda um, of the uh, Atletico teams. Um, we me- we mentioned the uh, first team uh, before. On Sunday, we play, uh, we host Real Valladolid at the Vicente Calderon. And afterwards, uh, on Wednesday, we play round three of La Liga, um, the game against Real Betis, which was uh, postponed because of the Super Cup clash. Um, and we'll travel to Sevilla on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Okay, and as we said, Atletico Madrid will be facing Real Madrid C, Atletico C will host Parla, and Atletico Feminas will travel to Valencia. Uh, Atletico Madrid 
handball division will will also be playing uh, La Liga game and, uh, against Aintasuna. It's uh, it's a Basque team, so <laughs> I don't know if I got the name right. Um, well, uh, before we we finish, let me thank you, the great guest we've had tonight, for for uh, being on the show and for bringing um, their their opinion and. Uh, First-hand information in in many cases. Uh, we got first of all, Cantera expert. L- like if um, it's it's like having him in Mahalaonda. He's he's a real insider. He's, he's got all the facts. Billy, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, thanks to you. I hope to be on again. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, we'll be um, delighted to have you again as soon as possible. Uh, Flo, always great to have you on. Yeah, thanks. It's a pleasure always. Thank you very much, uh, Martin. Uh, thank you. It's still day daytime over there. I'm getting I'm getting sleepy, guys. You're uh, tired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's always a pleasure to be here with you guys. And Flo, nice to talk to you, man. Yeah, nice to talk to you too. I didn't hear any German exchange. Um, maybe for the next episode, Martin. You can... yeah, next time. No, we have our <laughs> own German. Hear, I would love to hear Martin talk some German. Yeah, we're yeah, gonna make our, we start our own podcast. In <laughs> yeah, how is the how is the German for version? The Das is Aleti or something. Like <laughs> Derek, thank you very much. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure, guys, and uh, I love chatting with you. And um, see you soon. And and we're getting used to not having Gary on. Um, he's probably on some Real Madrid podcast right now as we as we speak. <laughs> oh no, Gary, please come back soon. Let's shout out a big. Uh, Hi to Gary, and I hope to have him on the show uh, soon, and thank you very much. So this wraps up another episode of Red and White Passion. Remember to send your views by Twitter at ThisIsAtLetty, Facebook at Facebook.com slash ThisIsAtLetty, or by email on info at ThisIsAtLetty.com. If you're a new listener, we hope you enjoyed the show and that you will continue to listen to us. You can subscribe to the podcast or download it via iVox or iTunes. Thank you for Letty. If you would like to advertise on This Is Atleti, contact us via email on info at thisisatleti.com.